Well, good morning, First Baptist. Just a couple of minor things to mention that aren't serious before we, we get into things. It's go dogs, yeah, go hounds, and we'll have a moment of silence for Ohio State. Yeah, that's enough. Okay, here we go. Just because I love you, you know. Uh, we have a few housekeeping items to deal with this morning before we get started. Uh, first, I want to welcome everybody. It is Law Enforcement Appreciation Sunday. We've got our firefighters, uh, emergency medical folks. We have sheriff. We have police, uh, the emergency management. We have everybody here this morning. And so look around yourself. Anybody that's wearing a uniform, you absolutely want to make sure you touch them before they leave. Tell them how much we appreciate what they do and how we, much we appreciate them being here this morning. We have a lot of things planned as we go through the service. A few housekeeping items I wanted to tell you about. I don't know if you saw the Jones County paper. A little plug for them. You might want to subscribe. There's, they keep us up to date on the community. You'll notice in the Jones County paper that two of our folks are on the living section. We've got Bob Farnsworth, who is recognized. Uh, his insurance company is recognized as Small Business of the Year. And uh, Sherry Rollins. Uh, was recognized as a citizen of the year. So we definitely want to congratulate them when we see them. Also, Erin Leonard won her fourth state championship in cross country. And I understand that Erin was so far ahead when she crossed the finish line that she was able to start lunch before her competitor caught up with her. So let's give all these Erins back here in the back. Let's give all these folks a hand. Good job, Erin. And Erin doesn't just represent well running. She is a wonderful young lady, and we appreciate the spirit that she carries into all that she does. You'll also want to remember this week the Ogle family as Cheryl passed away. This week, the funeral will be Wednesday at 10 o'clock here. There'll be visitation on Tuesday night. I believe, if I remember correctly, it's at 6 o'clock, 5 to five to 7. 5 to 7 at Hart's. So y'all, uh, uh, something I want to say, and I'll, I'll certainly say it again then too, I have never seen a community pour out as much love on a family as I have seen this week. I am proud of Jones County. I'm proud of being a part of this community. I love, the, we've always loved the school teachers, but heavens to Betsy, you guys have risen and set a new bar for compassion. Uh, thank you very much. You have displayed Christ in everything that you've done, and it has been wonderful to watch the way you've touched and loved on this family. And they're going to need lots of love as time passes, so y'all remember them. Our scripture this morning, of course, is from the book of John, and I'm going backwards just a little bit because when I read this, I thought this fits for Law Enforcement Sunday. It's John chapter 5, and it begins with the 24th verse. This is what Jesus said. Jesus was speaking. He said, truly I tell you, anyone who hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment but has passed from death to life. Truly I tell you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, so also he has granted to the Son to have life in himself. And he's granted him the right to pass judgment because he's the son of man. 
Do not be amazed at this, because the time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good things to the resurrection of life, but those who have done wicked things to the resurrection of condemnation. I can do nothing on my own. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, if we needed you for nothing else, we need you for stability. In a week, Lord, where we've had unimaginable highs and excitement, and in a week where we have had the most horrible low, the only thing that gives us hope is knowing you as our Lord and Savior. I know that many people have many things that they believe. And there are many beliefs around the world and things that people hold on to. And Lord, I know that there are folks that call people that cling to you weak and using religion as a crutch. But this much I know, Lord, you are the Son of God that the Father created everything that there is, that you have a plan for each one of our lives, and that you give life to everyone who believes. I believe it is truth, and I know that there'll come a day when I'll see you face to face, and each one of us will see you, and every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In this hour, we pray, Father, that you would be glorified, that your name would be lifted up, and that the community would be strengthened through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. And now for the sermon that you've all been waiting for. And it's actually, man, we're, we're ahead of time, and I've got a short sermon. I don't know what to do. There's like a rule. I mean, it's, it's a Baptist thing. There's a rule. We'll see what happens here. Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember if it was spring or fall. But I remember it was a very beautiful, sunshiny day, the day this occurred. It had to be around 1989. That's when Renee and I lived in Washington County in late 88, 89, 90, somewhere right in that that area. And I was working at the Washington County Road Department. At the Road Department, we serviced all the sheriff's vehicles. So I got to meet a lot of the deputies and hear the stories that they'd tell and and, uh, even worked on the cars a little bit. Found out about two young men that had been coming home, and uh, they were on their way home from work, and they pulled side by side at this intersection, and there was not another car in sight, and there wasn't going to be another car in sight where they were. They were in rural Washington County. There was nothing there except a very, very long straightaway that ended in a pretty sharp curve. I don't know what signal they used to tell each other it was time to race, but they pulled up beside each other at the intersection, 
And at whatever signal they chose, off they roared down this straightaway. And obviously, it was a very, very tight race. They were going as far and as fast as they could. One of them pulled off of the gas just a little bit, but the other one hung on just a little bit longer to make sure that he was the clear winner of the race. But when he put on brakes, it was too late. The curve was too sharp. His car couldn't stay on the road. It left the road. It hit a concrete culvert. Hit it just right that it tore the car in half right behind the passenger seat. In the back seat were the two children that he had just picked up from daycare. Strapped into their children's, into their car seats to keep them safe. They didn't survive. But daddy did. And you guys were the ones that showed up first. Washington County, your brothers and sisters, were the ones that came to that scene to see what had happened. You were the ones that got to see the horror of all that stuff. We cannot imagine what you see. I can't imagine how you keep your sanity. And I know that if I went and talked to you guys that you would all have a speech that you would give to me that would say something like I've said before in the pastorate, you know. Well, I work with lots of wonderful people and there's lots of good things going on in our community and it's a great job and great place and we love love serving one another. And that statement's a true statement, but at the same time, we know part of what your job entails because sometimes you're coming to our house. And sometimes you're coming to our wreck. And sometimes you're coming to the events that are in our lives that aren't pretty. We don't want to see what you see. We don't. We don't want to know what you know. We don't want to face what you face. And although we don't show it very often, we are very grateful that you have answered the call to be the first responders that we call Whenever our lives have gone sideways, you protect us. You keep our children and us safe. And sometimes you save our very lives. And for that, we are eternally grateful. We thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. But you know, you guys have been in the news a lot lately. Not you specifically here in Jones County, but all over the place. And we are alike in that sense. We know that whenever a minister does something that's unbecoming of the office, or when someone is alleged, a minister is alleged to have done something wrong, even though he may not have done anything wrong, some of the mess that they get splatters off onto me. One of the worst things I hate to hear is of a pastor that's had to step down from a ministry position in a high-profile place because that's one more arrow that points in my direction. Look at how ministers are. Look at what ministers do. And we've had plenty of arrows pointed at our law enforcement community over the last couple of years. What we, the general public, tend to forget is that in one sense, you guys really are like Jesus. You really are. 
In the scripture that we just read earlier, I want you to hear this one verse. It's the reason that we're preaching. We're preaching here at First Baptist through the Gospel of John. Our whole idea going through the Gospel of John is that we need to know who Jesus is so that when we see him, we know him. We've all studied. Lots of us have studied. We've gone to Sunday school. We've done all this stuff over all these years. But you know, you keep hearing something and, and you forget how special it might be. You know, if you love chocolate milkshakes and all you ever have is a chocolate milkshake, over a period of time, it's just another milkshake. But if you'll go to vanilla for a while and then come back to the chocolate, you'll go, you know what? This is really good. Well, that's sort of what we're doing with Jesus is we want to see that. So the book of John is the best place in the world that you can go to to learn who Jesus is, how Jesus operates, how Jesus thinks, and that's why we're preaching through this. Last week, we preached on the scripture that's after this, and I saved this for this week for this particular verse. This particular verse says, I can do nothing on my own. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. Because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Now, is that not law enforcement? All of you ladies and gentlemen in law enforcement, you don't get to make up your own rules. You can't. I confess that I had the privilege of meeting the acquaintance of a couple of our sheriff's deputies at the abandoned BP station up on 129 one day. I did not just stop in to say, hey. <laughs> nope, nope, it didn't work that way. I'd been following this guy. Oh, let me set this up a little bit better because I don't want to forget that. I had just preached. Just want you to know. Just finished the morning service. Was headed home. And I got behind this person, and y'all know how it is. It's truth. I believe that if you studied it, you did a psychological study, and you, you took down honest-to-goodness evidence, this would be true every single time. You follow somebody that's doing 40 miles an hour. They go 40, and there's no way you can pass them. But when they get to the passing lane, they speed up to 60. <laughs> right? They'll do it every time. And what happens is they'll speed up to 60 until it goes back to a single lane again, and then they'll slow back down to 40. And you're stuck. And this guy was just just puttering on up the road. And I, we got to, the, we got to the, the, the passing lane, and I just split my little self out, and he speeds up, and I thought, no, I want to go home. So I speed up to pass him, just enough to get past him. I swear I wasn't doing more than 70. There was no traffic. There was just me and him. The weather was perfect. The sun was out. It was dry. It was a good day. I was safe. And I'm coming around the guy, and I get around him, and I crest the hill, and I see the motorcycle sitting down in the abandoned gas station. You didn't send me the notice that you were buying motorcycles for these people. Something's not right about that. He didn't even have to turn on a light. As I'm coming up, he just went, and I just went. <laughs> now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. The gentleman that pulled me over that day wasn't pulling me over simply because he was bored and wanted something to do. 
He didn't pull me over because my car looked particularly, you know, you're not supposed to have a red vehicle. That's supposed to be like going Toro in front of the police for them to pull you over. You know, you don't, you don't buy a red vehicle. My vehicle wasn't red. It's an old man's car. They didn't pull me over for any reason like that. The federal government, the state government, the county government all have laws. And these guys' job is to enforce those laws. And that's what he did. That's what you do. You don't do anything of your own accord. You don't make up your own rules. When you make up your own rules, it's like a preacher making up his own rules. That's when we end up making a mess of things. You judge as you hear by the laws that you've been taught. You judge. And in, apply, and in applying those laws, your judgment is just. Because this is the way we're supposed to work. Not because you're doing it because it makes you feel good. You do it because the governing authorities say you must. And I would imagine, and I don't know, I'm not inside your head, but I imagine there's some rules and laws that you've enforced before that you've leaned back and you've thought to yourself, this is pretty stupid. But it's what we do as a country. And we enforce those rules. And those rules you apply those rules you enforce, regardless of the type of work you do, law enforcement, EMS, fire, you all have laws that govern you, and those rules are designed to do one thing, and that is to maintain civilization. They are here to control our behavior. They are here to contain the man. But you know as well as I do that all the rules in the world, all they can do is contain the man. They can only stop certain behavior. Because, honest to goodness, guys, when I get on 129 now, I set my cruise control. Because I know, I know me, and I know as I drive up 129 from here to home and from home to here, that I'll just let my mind wander, and before you know it, I'll look down, and I'm doing 75 miles an hour, and I don't want to meet you guys. I don't want to meet them on those terms. So I set my cruise control at an appropriate speed, and I just go to, and I let traffic back up behind me. Yeah, it's appropriate. It's all right. <laughs> they let me go by. It's good. And traffic will back up behind me as I'm coming down here, but they have contained my behavior. And it's a good thing. A lot of people get killed on 129. People drive stupid on that road. But sometimes containing the man isn't as simple as pulling somebody over and them going to cruise control. The Jones County LEC has doors and locks and bars that the sound of them closing scares the bejeebers out of us mostly law-abiding law people. And you ladies and gentlemen know better than us that there are some people that those sounds don't scare. They don't bother them one little bit. And you lock those people up. And they go before a judge. And maybe they're sentenced to treatment. Or maybe they're sentenced to jail. Or maybe they're sentenced to prison. And maybe when they're released, they will come out acting better. But they will only come out acting better because they are contained. Their behavior is restricted. The man is contained. But the man is not changed. 
Now, I need to clarify something here. When Jesus says that he judges only as he hears, that his judgment is just and he seeks to do the will of the one who sent him, what Jesus is saying is the Father and I are one. What Jesus is saying at that point is that he is God. And in the book of John, you're going to read over and over where Jesus is the Son of Man, he is the Son of God, he says that I am equal to God, he says that I am God. Now, when you folks, any of us, whether you're in law enforcement or just a regular person, if somebody comes up to us and says that they're God, they are insane. They're nuts. They're not right. They're crazy. They're one brick shy of a load, one french fry short of a happy meal. The elevator doesn't quite make it all the way to the top. They're bonkers. And yet Jesus says that he's God. Now here's your choice. And it's a choice that we all have to go to. Either he is a crazy man or he's who he says he is. And if he is who he says, and that's your only choice. You can't avoid it. You can't walk away from it. We are all confronted with this. Who is Jesus Christ? Either he is the son of God or he's a crazy man. Those are your only two choices. There is no in between. But if he is the son of God, then he can do something that you and I cannot do. You and I can contain behavior. I can make my children act differently. Well, I can't now. They're grown. But when they were little, well, yeah, I can now too, can I? Can make my children act differently, but I cannot change my children. My children are going to do what my children are going to do in their hearts. There is only one that can change that, and that man is Jesus. He says, truly I tell you, anyone who hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment but has passed from death to life now I want to break this down real quick and I want to break this down I have said this part of this a billion times in here and I'm going to keep going because we've got to understand this completely when he says anyone that means anybody anyone anyone he says who hears my words anyone doesn't matter who you are doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter what you have ever done. Doesn't matter what you're going to do. Doesn't matter what color you are. Doesn't matter. My daughter's birthday. This was sort of fun. Y'all may not find it amusing, but I thought it was sort of cool. My daughter's birthday is coming up, and they've got this girl that works at the office with her that is a nut about birthdays, and she makes a big deal out of everybody's birthday. So she sends an email to me and says that she would like for us to put together a video to send to them so they could show the video at Anna's birthday party at work and to get the boys to do it. So Ben sent one and Luke sent one. I went on, Renee and I went on the, the, the trip with the senior adults, and standing in front front of the grand old opera we got all 24 of us together and we sang happy birthday to Anna and they thought she said her friends thought it was absolutely wonderful that they had never heard southern accents like that in their whole life and I told them that I tell you what I was telling Terry about it we're going to go get some of them take them to Dodge County and we're going to go out in the back so they can hear a real southern accent. 
or maybe we'll go to the hills of North Georgia so I can get a real good one. But they just, they couldn't, they couldn't stand it. This is what we, this, this is who we are. Anyone, anyone, southern accent, northern accent, don't even speak English. It doesn't matter. Everyone from the worst, most outrageous criminal that any one of you had ever had to lock up to the, to the most elite of the elite. Anyone who hears my words. Now I want you to notice this too. He doesn't say that you've got to change your behavior before you come to him. One of the worst lies that the church has ever perpetrated since the 30s and 40s and 50s is that you need to clean up your act and come to church. No, you come to church and let Jesus clean up your act. That's the way this thing's supposed to work. Change, he is the one who changed us. But behavior changes come after we meet Jesus. We don't do anything. If you could, you would have done it already. But we can't. So we come to the one who can change the man or woman. We come to Jesus and that's all we do. We come to him and we listen. Anyone who hears my words and believes. Now I've got to say this about that, about believing. In the church, I know you folks in law enforcement, I know that church people have disappointed you. I know that. I know a couple of folks who are good church folks who have been my friends that you have carted off with shackles on their hands and taken them before a judge. And I can imagine you do this because I have a feeling I would do it as I'm walking them into the law enforcement center or I'm walking them in to the courthouse. I would be thinking to myself, and they're supposed to be good, upstanding church people. I understand that. And I could give you a platitude that we are all supposed to be, uh, that, we're, that we're Christians, we're, we're not perfect, that we're only forgiven. Yeah, that's true, but we use that as an excuse. We mess up like everybody else does. Whereas church folks have missed the point sometimes, is we've missed the point in the word believe because we look at the word believe, I read an article this week that talked about that. It talked about believing, it talked about faith as fact. And what his article was trying to say, what his article was trying to say is that when we come to the Bible, we want to study it like we're studying for a history test, or we're studying for a math test. We're studying for our driver's exam so that we can sit down and we can make a passing grade and then we can go on. And you folks, those of you who have been to anything beyond kindergarten have done this. I have sat down at night with what's going to be on the test the next day and gone over it and over it and over it and over it and over it again so that when the test came, I could pass the test and two days later, if you asked me the question again, I wouldn't be able to answer you because I didn't learn it. I was just trying to study it as fact and get it in my head so I could pass a test and I could move on. Faith is fact makes no difference in your life. It's just a fact. And you can take the Jesus test and you can pass it. But I'm telling you that there are some really sketchy folks 
who can spit out scripture like a machine gun. They know the words, but there is no difference in their behavior whatsoever. It's not what Jesus is talking about here. It's not what Jesus is talking about. What he says, when he says believe, when Jesus says believe, he means that you trust him to do what he says he will do. And if you read it in the scripture and he says that he will do something, belief means that I trust him to do what he said he would do in scripture. That we rely on what he says. That we cling to what he says. When all heck is breaking loose in our lives, that we grab hold of him with everything we've got and hang on so that he can carry us. It means that we hear what he says and it makes a profound difference in who we are. If it doesn't make a difference in who we are, it is faith is fact. You pass the test. Woo, go team. But what we're looking for is a behavior that is inspired, the person that is changed by the very Son of God. He says, truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment but has passed from death to life. Has eternal life. If you're thinking about heaven right now, you're not going far enough. Because when he talks about life, he's talking about life now. One of the perks of my job, one of the perks is to be talking to someone whose eyes are absolutely vacant. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? You look into somebody's eyes, you look and you're speaking to them, and you, you look and you can understand that there's nobody home in there, that they're just as vacant as they can be. But you're talking about Jesus, and somewhere in there, sometimes, it's not often, but sometimes a light comes on in those eyes, life comes back into them, and you know that moment that Jesus has changed them and taken them from death into life. And he does that. That's exactly what he does. The phrase, has passed from death to life, means that you've moved it means that you've gone from one place to another, that you lived in the place where dead people were, and now you're different. You've moved to a place where people who live, live. You guys perform a very valuable service to us by enforcing the rules. You make the world civilized for people like us. You make the world civilized for our children our sons, our daughters, our grandkids, our great-grandkids. But try as hard as you might, you can't change anybody. Jesus changes people. Jesus will change you. Jesus will change your address. He will move you from a dead heart to a living spirit. And once he does that, you cannot go back. Once he has changed you, you are alive and you are alive forever. And even in the moments where you don't know if it's true anymore, even in the moments where he feels like he's a million miles away from you, even in those moments where you're not sure, he is still hanging on to you and he will bring you back home. He always does. He always does because he gives 
us life. And you know how I know that's true? Because he did it for me. And he'll do it for you. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, it is so sweet to trust in you. Just to take you at your word. Just to stand upon your promise. Just to know that this is what you said. Jesus, Jesus, how we trust you. How you've proven yourself to us over and over. Jesus, Jesus, our precious Jesus. Oh, for faith to trust you more. Dear Lord, we pray that you remove the shackles from our hearts. No longer let us be contained, men and women. Cause us, make us, compel us to be changed, men and women. Men and women who know life and give life. People who know Jesus and give Jesus away. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. At the end of every one of our services, we give everyone an opportunity to respond if they want to. If Jesus has called you to be saved this morning, if you feel a stirring in your heart, you don't know what to do with it, please come down front and talk to me about that. We'll talk about it, we'll pray together. If you want to join the church, you can, but most of all, I ask you to pray. I ask you to pray for those in your family that need Jesus. I ask you to pray this morning for these guys, these ladies and gentlemen who go to work every day and don't know what they're going to face. And some days, I imagine there's days that are full of laughter and cutting up and all the things that we all do. And there's some days that are horrible tragedies for them. And they have to go home and deal with that themselves. Pray for these folks. Pray that God would give them strength, that he'd give them grace, that he would love them more than they could ever know. Won't you stand as we sing?